Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast, a Canadian real estate podcast that shows you how to pay off your mortgage sooner and live well while doing it. Now, here's your host, Sean Cooper. Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. I'm Sean Cooper, and it's great to be back for another episode. On today's show, I'll be talking to Star Watson. Star is a highly skilled professional with over 14 years of experience in marketing and many related fields. She's been working with clients, generating leads, building brands, and helping businesses thrive since the age of 19. Star brings seasoned knowledge, good humor, and top shelf strategies to ensure you get the results you deserve. In my interview with Star, we discuss first time home buyer mistakes to avoid, choosing your real estate dream team, and protecting your home in a divorce. And just a quick disclaimer before we start the episode, legal opinion is shared in this episode, but before you do anything, you should consult with a legal expert or lawyer. So just wanted to get that disclaimer out of the way. Now, without further ado, here's my interview with Star Watson. Hi, Star. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks. Uh, great to chat with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm super glad to be here. Great. And I'm um, excited to share your inspirational real estate story with the audience. So let's get started. Great. So you moved out at age 14. Is that correct? Can you tell yeah. me about that? Yeah, I did move out at 14. My parents separated and divorced and I had a younger sister who is six years younger and they couldn't afford like two, three bedroom residences. They were both renting at the time. And I was with my ex-husband from that age, 14. So I just started to work and do school part-time through a program, which is almost like college where you go in for a couple of lessons and then, you know, turn in your work. So from 14, I've lived on my own and worked full-time while also going to school or familying it up. (laughs) Wow. So, I mean, that's not the typical story of people moving out of the house at 14 years old, but I guess because of the situation at home, it forced you to grow up sooner rather than perhaps you had anticipated. Definitely. My sister being six years younger, I was often the mother or the nurturer in the situation. And I was often babysitting and caring for her. I I felt it was for the greater good for everybody, including myself at the time, which sounds crazy. I used to say I was 14 or I will say to people if they ask, I was 14 going on 24. So I have a 12 and a half year old daughter now. She actually is nearly 13 uh, next month. And she will sometimes ask me like, mom, how did you do it? And I'm like, I'm so glad you don't have any idea, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that innocence and the, and the, you know, growing up, I feel like that's something that is getting harder and harder these days with kids. Yeah. Not typical at all. And the rest of my real estate adventures have not been very typical either. (laughs) So I'm sure you'll be excited to hear about those. Yeah, that's a perfect segue into my next question for you. You bought your first home at age 20. Is that correct? I mean, I thought I was ambitious buying my home at 27, but you definitely blew me out of the water. So maybe you can tell me about how you were able to even come up with a down payment at that age. That's quite remarkable. 
you know, that's an interesting uh, comment because I didn't come up with a down payment. That was in the time of zero down mortgages. I haven't heard anything about a zero down mortgage in I don't know how long since I was about that age. I decided that after my husband and I got married, um, we had our daughter that it would be great to, you know, to have a house. And I felt at the time that there was really no point to rent um, because I felt that real estate was always a pretty good bet. That's what I had been told by my grandpa. And uh, he was always great with money. You know, real estate, if you're willing to sit long enough, he told me real estate was always a good bet. I was inspired by that to purchase a home. And I bought uh, in between Huntsville and North Bay, Ontario. And so that's up in the sort of country cottage cottage area and I got um, a two bedroom plus I had a nice finished basement and an acre for 139 no 131,000 that was my first home and there was fees and things like that like I had some money saved up I'd been working a long time and it was always really important for me to put things to the side like for what if you know the sort of emergency fund and this was it was a thousand I think I paid 11.90 a month and that included the mortgage, the CMHC fees, because on a zero down mortgage or a mortgage under, I believe 20%, correct me if I'm wrong, you have to have this particular insurance. So all those fees rolled together with property taxes as well was about $1,190 back when I was 20. So 12 years ago, <laughs> it was doable. So I did it. And then there was a bit of a disaster that struck as a new homeowner for the first time and being as young as I was, I didn't really know what was right or wrong or what was good or bad as it came to real estate agents or home inspectors or other inspections even that could help me make a good decision on the soundness of a property. So I just went randomly picked some agent out of, you know, a sort of a book. And with that agent randomly, he gave me the referral to this home inspector and long story short about a year a little bit over a year in water started to rise from floor of the basement up yikes. and yeah super yikes then we realized that mold had actually grown so far up that it was upstairs three quarters of the way up the wall in my daughter's bedroom in the closet so we hadn't seen basically our home inspector had missed entirely that the basement had been redone to cover up the fact that there was water issues and he hadn't used any kind of moisture meter checker he hadn't you know looked behind anything there was apparently visible things that would have been visible to somebody who knew what they were looking for there was also a dehumidifier a big expensive one running and they left it as a new homeowner i would never have thought why would somebody leave behind like a dehumidifier that must mean moisture problems as a seasoned homeowner now into my fourth home i know what a dehumidifier is for i know when to use it and i know why people use it in their homes when there are problems <laughs> and how to there were these clues that something wasn't right but i didn't know how to put that information together in the end from a real estate perspective, what ended up happening was I had to walk away from the property because it was past time where we could go back on the original, uh, the, the, the sellers. It was past a year and there's some rule law, I can't remember what it was, but we couldn't go back on them. That was not an option. Had several people come in for quotes on fixes and they were more expensive than the house. 
nobody was going to loan me 150 or 250,000 on a house that I had no equity in to fix it. <laughs> and then I brought in a real estate agent that was a like known trusted person. And I said, here's this issue. Can you sell it as is? And they were not permitted to because it was considered a, a major safety risk. It was a, we had mold poisoning. And to this day, I'm still affected by that. And I can smell mold like the instant I walk into a room. We had a bad agent and a bad home inspector, or maybe bad is not the right term, but they weren't seasoned professionals that had our best interests in mind. It was just different. And so we had to foreclose. I ended up doing a financial proposal instead of a bankruptcy, paid back a percentage of that mortgage uh, over a period of years. And that was my first home ownership experience. <laughs> It was really scary and I learned a lot. It definitely impacted me financially. And I learned a lot about money and real estate and, and as a result of this, because I did a ton of research and I began to sort of advocate for myself by being knowledgeable in advance instead of learning hard lessons later. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story with me. And I'm just curious in terms of lessons learned, if you were to do that whole situation over again, what, what have you done different to avoid that situation? I mean, I guess perhaps you would have interviewed several realtors and made sure that the home inspector had a good reputation and was going to use some of the important tools like a moisture meter. They say hindsight is twenty twenty. Perhaps yeah. you could tell me what you would have done differently. And for somebody that finds themselves in that situation today, how they can avoid a situation like what happened to you. Yeah, for sure. So everything you said there is definitely true. You know, interviewing, I went so far as to actually speak with past clients of the real estate agents I was interviewing, which is probably a lot deeper than most people go or is necessary in a lot of cases. But for me, it was really important that the agent had experience, not just in selling homes or, or how to buy homes, but, but what is important about a home and knew about structure, perhaps knew what things to look for that could be a red flag. And then with the home inspector, yes, uh, same, same deal. We had uh, the home inspector on the next house that I purchased actually was out the window throwing buckets of water down the bricks to try to find where there was a moisture issue that there was water coming in. <laughs> that was something that would never even have been noticed or, or been tested for or had somebody go so far as to like hang out a window and dump buckets of water to figure it out. That's what I needed to be happy and feel safe with a purchase. I needed to know all the things and water is the scariest because as I learned and as many of your listeners may not know, water is generally not covered through your home insurance policy, at least not in my province, Ontario. It's generally not covered for sewer backup or which happens if there's a huge rainstorm unexpected, let's say, or if water comes in because of like flooding from again, rain or whatever we have weather-wise, there's just generally no water coverage or you have to ask for it and pay extra for it. That's important to note and maybe check your home insurance policy because even if you have a house, you know, that's you, you really don't think anything could happen to. I live now right across from sort of a marshy area. And if we got bad enough rain and we do up here, because where I'm at, it's past the snow belt. So we get as much rain as we would snow that could become a swampy mess that came over to my house, which is just the second house in from the swamp. You never really, you, got, you kind of have to think about all of the outside factors, not just the excitement of the new house or of finding the perfect house. 
I learned that I had to judge homes based on the physical structure, not on the look, not on the magic of the moment, but really about, you know, this is, this is the biggest investment most people ever make in their lives. So I need to make sure that I'm making a sound decision. And that, that I guess is more of my internal personal, you know, adjustment and change that I really went through after that experience on top of making sure I had the best professionals that I could find. The agent I did find, I still use to this day and he is a whippersnapper. He knows so much about what to look for that in the last three home inspections in the last three homes I purchased where he was a part of it every single thing that the home inspector pointed out on those incredibly long you know reports where there might be 300 plus items my agent had already talked to me about during walking around he would say point at this and say this is what this means it's not really much to worry about this is what this could mean that could be a problem let's see what the inspector says about it I just have felt so safe with him and he's become a very good friend, close family, comes over for dinner, you know, all these years later, but he is just so knowledgeable. I think that that's really, really important, both uh, for the person buying the home. And I really think I, I work with real estate agents for the past 15 years in my work. So I really think uh, from an agent perspective, I think it's really amazing when there are agents that are, they're learning additional things that they know can support their clients in that perfect decision. A lot of agents I know are, are actually actively kind of getting into, they might, I had one agent I know recently who was taking a home inspector's course, not to be certified or anything like that, but that's sort of a full overview of what to look for and what things are important. Upskilling, I guess, I think as a, as an agent and as a home inspector, surely as well, is still something that can be done upskilling and it can really be value, very valuable to everybody. So Great. Well, thanks so much for sharing your experience with our listeners. And I definitely think they have some words of wisdom to apply to their own situation. So once again, thanks for sharing that. Having a situation like that, I could see how that could scare you away from real estate, but it seems that that wasn't the case and you still own a property today. So how many houses do you own now at 32 Star? I have owned four. Um, I'm in the fourth. Plus, I've owned a plot of land that had a small cabin on it. It wasn't considered an actual domicile because there was no uh, services. Yeah, so five real estate transactions. I live in the fourth house, which we just moved into back in the beginning of May. I can very safely say that this home is by far the one I felt the most comfortable in. And I believe that has everything to do with each home purchasing experience, I learned more about everything, including what I did or did not like in a house. Not what I thought I wanted, but what I actually did or didn't enjoy when I was living in the homes that I had purchased. So for instance, <laughs> when I originally bought, I was looking for uh, a home in the beginning, I, I thought that I needed a, a, a nice tub. There had to be a tub and it had to be a, like, you know, jetted or have some kind of a sort of spa-like qualities. And then I learned I don't actually take baths. So I don't no longer need a tub. <laughs> I learned, you know, what I liked to be close to wise or what even view I would like out my window, which was one of the reasons I bought the house I'm in today. As I sit at my desk and work each day, I look at a beautiful forest and I get to watch fall turn and it's something that's very motivational to me. I love trees. <laughs> Silly things like that. It, some people would say, oh, that's so silly. But 
after four houses, I literally live in pretty much my dream in terms of layout, which gives comfort for all the different family members in the house. I have four kids, so that's a lot of people, you know, to be having their own safe space and comfy space. You know, each of those purchases brought me closer to this knowledge. I think I could have learned sooner by maybe just being um, mindful and observing my own feelings or likes or dislikes about even some rentals over the years. Cause of course I rented from 14 up until 20 and I even rented a couple of times in between homes for different reasons. One of them was the financial proposal. That was a reason I rented for a long time because of course nobody would give me a mortgage. I had to wait five years for my credit to be or close to five years for my credit to be good enough to move forward with, with anything uh, that wasn't a crazy interest rate. It's great that you're still in the real estate market. And thanks for sharing your experience over the years. It sounds like I'm on my first property, but I guess it's great to know what things you initially thought were important, but aren't really important to yourself. I mean, I guess you really get to know yourself as a homeowner when you've owned several houses. So that's just something for people to keep in mind. You know, you may want that like spa, like bathtub, but then you may realize that you never have time to use it or it's not really that enjoyable for you. So, you know, just something to consider on your future home purchases. So yeah, I actually wanted to mention as well from a, a dollars and cents perspective. So with that first, you know, zero down, yeah, my mortgage rate was somewhere around, I want to say 9%. And then as I went through that financial proposal, I actually bought the largest and most expensive house I've ever owned. And I was paying six point something because I was uh, a B, not an A lender. I was a, with a B lender, um, more expensive. And then I really worked incredibly hard to get my credit as great as I could. And I pay 2.54% and that's not variable. It's locked in. So I save five or four or five, $600 a month just because I have good credit and was able to, you know, negotiate as best I could with my bank, which is something I learned over the years that you actually can do. And I learned that being married and having homes really, really changes if you end up in a situation that's going to equal divorce. That was a huge lesson. <laughs> Couple of tips, a lot of information that I feel like most of us don't know. We should probably be taught it in school, but they don't teach us kind of like life, <laughs> life skills. If you ever are the recipient of monies for personal injury, like say a car accident or any other uh, monies awarded to you for something like that, that money is something that if you keep to yourself, as in if I had put that money, I was awarded, I had two terrible car accidents, both caused by the other driver in amongst all of this crazy life experience you're hearing, but I had been awarded two separate occasions money for my future needs uh, and care. Um, and in the first case, I didn't know this, which is if you keep it to yourself and you hold it in an account that's only in your name, that money is never accessible or considered part of a divorce. I would have maintained a massive, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna tell you the number. I would have, I would have kept $100,000 that I did not get to keep because I didn't know this at the time. So that money went into a house and obviously I paid for my care needs as needed. But then when my ex and I separated, that money was no longer mine to keep. However, I had used that knowledge to save myself in the second car accident. And I did keep that money in a separate account. 
and it was not touchable. He tried. Lawyer said, no, this is not, this is a rule. So at least in Ontario, that is something that's really important. I presume uh, your listeners can Google and see if that's something that's the same in their area, wherever it is that they live. That was a, a big one. And the other one is if you have a situation where one spouse does all of the working and the other say stays at home, even if there are like there is proof that one person sort of contributed and the other person, there's a word for it, but like essentially negligence on purpose. I don't know how to say it just, that it doesn't matter. And any money that you put into that house together will go 50-50 in the end, unless you've outlined it ahead of time. So if you're, say, with your spouse buying a new home and you have $100,000 to contribute and your spouse has $50,000, if you do not outline that legally ahead of time, the $100,000 that you would later be able to remove if you were to divorce as yours because it's what you put in will actually turn into 75,000 because the 100 and the 50 get added together and then everything pretty much goes 50-50 in a divorce when it relates to real estate not anything else in particular that I have any knowledge on but real estate it goes 50-50 and there's almost no situation where it wouldn't no matter how much you love the person you're with, and I'm deeply in love with my current spouse, it's not about that. It's really about protecting yourself, your assets that you've worked really hard to attain. And in my case, my children, it's worse, uh, not worse, excuse me, really important because for my children, I've worked as hard as I have for as long as I have and will keep for many, many years, I'm sure. Hopefully Freedom 45, we'll see. (laughs) But um, I want to protect what I've worked for so that it goes to my children, not it gets mixed up into a house because I don't know better and then it goes to my ex and it helps him fuel his new life. That doesn't make me feel very good. But what makes me feel good is knowing that I'm protecting my assets and I'm protecting my children. And I think two adults that are getting married or are already married, I think should be able to come to the table and realize that that's all you have to know and feel. It doesn't need to mean anything else. It just needs to mean that you never know what happens in the future. We all can make the plans that we want, but everything life happens second by second, minute by minute, day by day. So planning ahead for any potential future is what I like to call it. Not the worst, not the worst. Planning ahead for any future that I might not know now could exist or I don't think about, don't believe would exist is still important. The only thing I would add additional is that the minutia does matter when it comes to money and real estate document everything. What I mean by that is if just if one person is putting more in than the other, you know, document it, file it away, forget about it, but but definitely document it. And, and don't just assume that I assumed wrongly that me and my spouse would be together forever. And I lost out financially because of it in regards to real estate specifically. Having learned that lesson, it'll never happen again. Documents have been signed with my current spouse, and I'm not afraid to say so because it's just about protecting each of our assets and children. Well, Star, it's been great having you on the show today. Before I let you go, is there anything of interest that you're working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? Sure. Right now, I, uh, my marketing agency, we're offering a really crazy social media special. It's 149 Canadian per month for one fully 100% done for you post per day absolutely no work and they're completely custom to your business. If anyone is interested in that, they can find the website clickstar with two rs.io. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Burn Your Mortgage podcast. Besides being a podcast host, I'm also an independent mortgage broker. If you 
or anyone you know, family, friends, co-workers, or neighbors could ever use any unbiased mortgage advice or a second opinion, feel free to reach out. Email me at Sean, that's S-E-A-N, at burnyourmortgage.ca or call or text me at 647-867-3711 for a free mortgage consultation. Also, be sure to head on over to www.burnyourmortgage.ca and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. As a small token of my appreciation, you'll be able to download my ultimate mortgage checklist on choosing the perfect mortgage. I look forward to hearing from you and helping you with all your mortgage needs. Once again, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating. Until next time, happy mortgage burning.